0: Brands can't push out content that is just created in a generic sense that doesn't really have an end user or someone in mind. It might be amazing creatively, right? But at the end of the day, that end product is going to be a video that's created that's essentially addressed to whom it may concern. From Myriad Media, a show that explores the audience, business, and creative sides of developing video campaigns...
1: Hi, I'm Jedediah Gant, and on today's episode, I sit down with market researcher Josh Carlton to discuss how some of the core concepts of design thinking can be used in video marketing. So to start off, I'd love to define design thinking for our audience who may not know much about this topic. IDEO, who's this design uh, brand that has worked on graphics and branding for a lot of different brands and companies around the world, they define design thinking as encouraging organizations to focus on the people they're creating for and leads to human-centered products, services, and internal processes. And another way to think about design thinking is creative strategies designers use during the process of designing. And so we at Myriad think that this human element is a central component in the design of buildings, branding assets, and mobile application interfaces. But There's one piece that's been left out, and video is that art form that we think is very integral in the design thinking discussion. So welcome, Josh. It's great to have you here. Yeah, Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so uh, we're talking a lot about design thinking, and you are a market researcher. Is that how you describe yourself? Yes. Yeah, that's how I describe myself. And I, I have
0: founded about a year and a half ago, my own market research company, 500THZ. And uh, that stands for the frequency of orange colored light for those oh, who might nice. be a little bit um, put off by that. Why did you choose orange? Uh, so orange is the color of change. And the reason why anyone would do market research is to change something about what they're doing, whether that's a product or a message or uh, anything like that. Um, and then light is all about opportunity. So those two things come together uh, with the name name of my company. Um, and then on the side, I also teach this topic at uh, UNC Chapel Hill um, to both undergrads and grads, um, and so that keeps me fresh and helps me understand really what's going on when people get out into the world. What are what are their experiences in the working world with research and strategy, and and what those things look like? So, today. how did you get into market research? Like, what is a little bit more of your background? Well, my my work background um, for the about the last uh, 15 years or so has been in creative agencies and brand strategy consulting companies. And a lot of the, the feed into the creative process is research. So understanding people, understanding the role of a brand, the role of a company in people's lives and figuring out how to best reach them and in what ways we need to connect with them and how we can make their lives better um, at the end of the day. And so that, that ended up being what, what that led me to where I am today. My academic background was in psychology and communications. And so doing market research is a great intersection of both of those things, understanding how people make decisions and then also how brands communicate with people.
1: Great. Well, I think that what you just mentioned has a lot to do with, um, it, it enlightens me a lot about your name and where you come from and the psychology of people and how they're using products. So can you help us by defining what market researcher is? I know our listeners may not know much about this and maybe how it's being used today.
0: Yes. Yeah, so market research might have some perceptions around it of being people in lab coats and you know, decades ago, that's what it was. Um, and luckily the field has changed and evolved as times have changed. And so now you could really think about it and your list, listeners can think about it as simply getting out into the world Asking questions about, of your customers, asking questions of your prospects as part of a creative process. So to what end are we asking these questions is always something to keep in mind. Um, a lot of times, right, you could spend a lot of money doing market research that at the end of the day doesn't have any real impact on a business or on a company. And so that's the big thing to, to keep in mind is that it's just a part of a creative process. Um, it can be applied to new product development, messaging, video ideas, anything really that is put out into the world that's trying to connect with someone or be useful to someone, market research can play a key role in making that thing a little bit stronger and a little bit better. Um, And when people hear that phrase, market research, um, I talked about the lab coats, there might also be a perception today that it's only for the Fortune 500 type companies to do market research. And if your listeners just take away one thing today, it's that that is not the case. That is not true, is that market research shouldn't be that that way and it does not have to be just for the very fortunate companies to do. Anybody can do this and do this well. Um, And so that's that's something to keep in mind um, as well, that it doesn't have to come with long timeframes or high costs.
1: Yeah, so the core of... Market research is the people that we're talking to. And I think it goes back to this, this this topic that we're on, which is design thinking. And one of the first parts of the design thinking process is listening. And so, the goal uh, any designer or videographer, um, anyone who's making something for a client, I think the first thing they want to do is listen. Um, again, back to the design thinking process. And so, in your case, listening means listening to the client and listening to the client's audience. And so, why Why is it important to understand who this audience is? So understanding that audience and the client and,
0: and there are the people that they're trying to reach, that is the core of market research. And without that understanding, um, a product launch, a message, any kind of creative idea, any video that's put out into the world has a higher likelihood of failing. There are those certain cases where no research was done and it was kind of a gut feel of a creative person and it worked. But at the end of the day, there is A big um, emphasis on empathy and how important empathy can be to better connect with people um, when you're launching a product or putting something out into the world to reach people and to connect to them. And so learning about how, how to make their lives easier, how to make their lives better, or even simply how to entertain them better, what might they laugh at, what might they smile at, what might they cry at. Um, doing those things at the very beginning of the process is going to increase your chances of success as you start to create and release things out into the world. And so that's why it's important. It just helps the things that you're creating, whether that's a product or a video or a piece of social content, be a little bit smarter and have a little bit more of a chance of being successful when it's put out into the world.
1: Yesterday and actually today on my schedule is to take uh, an IDEO design thinking class and kind of re- uh, kind of rethink some of the ways I personally think about design thinking. And you you mentioned this idea of human-centered design. And and one of the tasks that's in this class is try to, trying to figure out empathy and ask these questions. And I got really stumped yesterday on a question. It was like something about a mother and her finances and really trying to figure out what motivates her. Um, and so it's all about being empathetic and trying to figure out, as you're defining the problem, um, getting in the head of this uh this mother. And I was really stumped by it because this, uh, I've got to think a lot about it, which is really good because that means that like you're saying about market research and really figuring out who the audience is getting in their head is really important. And so being really empathetic to them. So how, you know, I think the question is how, how do we get more empathy?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And, um, uh, the, the answer is probably more simple than you might think, which is to talk to people. So in your case, um, having been presented that that um, challenge in, in the class that you're taking maybe there's someone in your life or someone in your life that knows someone who is that person that you're trying to reach and then maybe you can jump on the phone with them for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and just talk to them about, Hey, what, what's your uh, morning routine? Like, what is, what does lunch look like in your house? What is, what does the evening look like in your house? And just to really help them understand and talk to them. Um, that's, that's kind of the, the bare bones. Um, you know, if you wanted to do something even more interesting, you know, if it's a friend you could go over right to their house and kind of observe and just be a part of that flow, um, of, of how the days unfold. Um, and then sometimes, right, we're not able to do things like that. And so um, there, there's a really interesting approach that you could use and, and your listeners could use, which is that internally at a company, people that are that are staffers at a company already know a lot more about an audience than they think they do. And they just need someone to ask questions in a workshop style setting or in a, an informal kind of meeting room session with a whiteboard up on the wall, take some notes just ask questions about the, the people that they've been trying to reach and, w- and what they think about them. So I've recently done a few workshops where I've asked executive teams to profile an audience in this way. And one fundraising team at a major nonprofit was able to add a lot of texture around their customers in about 20, 25 minutes of discussion, um, talking about what they think motivates their company, their customers, and why they think their customers make decisions. And all it took were a few probing questions from my from my part
1: to just start to draw them out a little bit more. So those are some examples of how we get empathy, and they're kind of high-level um, kind of examples that you have gone through, Josh, and some of the projects you've worked on. So if you want to talk about some specific tactics that, that um, some of our listeners are jumping in today, maybe they've got a new startup company uh, that's making video, and they want to integrate some of this design thinking, what are some of the ways that they can um, do this th- tactically. Yeah. So we
0: mentioned, um, finding a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend, um, who has, uh, who is this prospect or is this customer group out in the world. And so once you find that person, right, your job's not done. That's, that's just step one of, of a couple steps. You actually have to now go talk to them. And so for someone who's not, well-versed in these things in this field, it's not something to be intimidated by. It's it's something that as humans, we all do naturally as communicators. It's just being in tune a little bit more with yourself and how you're coming across as a human you know, as, as you interact with them. And so there's a, a couple of things that you can do that I think will help your listeners do this if they find themselves in sort of a, an interview situation where they're trying to do their own market research. And one of those, the biggest thing, is to listen actively. And that's a buzzword that's kind of come and gone over the years. And I'd like to take that even to another level and say that it's listening so hard that it hurts and listening so hard that you are exhausted at the end of a 30-minute conversation. And don't don't really think about the next thing that you're going to say or the next question that you're going to ask, just listen. And you'd be amazed at what happens as you start to interact with with people out in the world, and, whether it's on the phone or in person, and you really listen to what they have to say. The next question is going to just naturally come as you hear what they're saying. And then you can springboard off of a phrase or a word or something that you didn't quite understand and what they said. Um, the other thing that you can do is remember how you're phrase, phrasing questions and serving up questions. And so a really simple thing to do is to ask open-ended questions versus closed-ended questions. And a simple example that we all might ask out in the world um, you know, every day is, um, "What's up?" Right? Um, What's up? Gives like a one one-word response, or a, eh, "I'm good." Yeah. Um, or uh, you know, what, "What did you do this weekend?" Right? Might be a much better question because um, then you open up someone to tell stories and to um, really elaborate on, on something that they did versus, um, yeah. You know, are you good? What'd you have for Which breakfast? Is a yes. Or no, yeah. yeah like we were exactly. talking about before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's essentially like a, a one word or a little phrase question. Um, but, uh, but if you were to ask me like, how was your morning? Right. I could probably talk about five minutes about my dog and, and tell you a nice little story about that. So, that's, that's the slight difference in how you think about phrasing questions um, at, when, you're, when you're talking to people. So, keep those questions really open-ended and kind of force them to tell stories and their answers um, as you get out and, and talk to people. Um, the last thing, and this is something that, that I learned in an improv class that I took a while ago, is to, to always build on what people are saying and so use the, um, the yes and approach. And so, if if I was talking to you and I was trying to gain empathy for you, and I kept um, cutting you off and saying, "Well, but did you think about it this way?" or "No, that's not quite right. Did you think about this and this other way?" Right, that's not really an empathy-gaining interview. That's more me trying to. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to do in that environment. Right. I'm, I guess I would be trying to be right, which is not what you do when you're searching for empathy. Yeah. So always constantly build and and say, yes, I hear you. And I'm curious about this other thing that you said, or yes, I heard you. And now I'm going to ask you about this, which, which was sparked by something that you said. And so going into it with, with an attitude of positivity and being open to what they say and constantly building up rather than correcting and, and getting kind of pushing them down.
1: Totally. I mean, the design thinking process is all about building up. It's about establishing a foundation and then building off of that base onto um, new aspects and new avenues that you go um, on your kind of product or design journey. And I think the yes and mentality is exactly that. It's building the foundation and saying, yes, you said something. It's going to stay there. I'm going to build on top of it, very pyramid-like, you know. And it's not like, no, let's reconsider the foundation of this of what you said. Like, we're on stage, we're talking, we're developing a project, we're talking. We're we need to build on each other. That's something that here at Myriad, uh, the yes and mentality is a big part of. Um, our, our culture, our process, and everything we do here, which is why we're starting to think more about design thinking, because yes and, and empathy, and all of these parts are part of design thinking, and we can integrate that into market research and creation of video. So empathy, as I just mentioned, and as you mentioned, is at the core of design thinking, but you know, this may sound like a, a really big undertaking, and when designers think about defining a problem or problem-solving for their clients, I think the goal is to boil it down, boil down a complex issue into a very simple solution. So what are some ways that you can approach this in your process? A way to think
0: about it is um, what, what I've called Lean Insights and that's kind of borrowing from um, the Lean Startup mentality and the Lean UX mentality is that you don't have to do a ton of research to get a little bit smart about something and a little bit smart about an audience that you're trying to reach. and Back in 2000, uh, Jacob Nielsen, some folks that are listening to this um, might remember this if they're in in the usability space. Um, He essentially found that it takes five users to find about 90% plus of any usability problems. And what ends up happening is that, obviously, right, you talk to zero people, you get zero insights and zero problems. If you talk to one person, then you're going to get about 30% of the insight and 30% of the problems exposed. And it goes up very quickly to the second person, the third person, fourth person. And then by the fifth person that you speak with, um, you've really kind of found about 90% or more of any usability problems. And what, I, what I'm what i advocating for is, why don't we take that same approach? And if you're a, if you're a nonprofit that's trying to reach out to a specific audience with some sort of video product that you're creating, then why not go talk to five people, right? That sounds a lot less intimidating than a big, massive um, market research project where you go into multiple cities and traveling all over the place and you're spending a lot of money. Um, Why not just talk to five people and get a little bit of insight and a little bit smart um, about this audience before you go through the act of creating something? So you're just setting the odds of success a little bit
1: more in your favor by talking to at least five people. Out, out there in the world yep. yep. so that's a great example Nielsen I know is a great company that are doing all types of market research and that's a really fascinating example of how they are using users and how you can do it in a very lean way so you mentioned this concept of lean insights can you define that uh, for our audience yeah I think um, at the end of the day lean insights is gaining empathy
0: um, for an audience and understanding the role of the brand and um, how it can be useful or entertaining to them out in the world without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and without spending six to eight months in the field and a massive market research study. It's just being a little bit more um, efficient with our approach as we get out in the world. And so this is a big question um, for small and mid-sized companies um, and even some large companies that now have kind of small teams that are focused on innovations um, that are responsible for forcing the large company to be a little bit more mid-sized than small in its thinking, um, research can be inspired um, and influenced by by a design thinking process. And so Lean Insights is really the intersection of everything that we've been talking about today, the imp- side of empathy and, and the influence of design thinking and human-centered design and prototyping quickly and rapidly right all those things come together with this idea of insights and so there's a great book out there called just enough research by erica hall i highly recommend it she's um uh, involved at a mule design company and you could essentially replace the word research in her title with empathy um and think about it that way that you need just enough empathy
1: just enough just enough empathy. Yeah, I think you're really good uh Josh at kind of defining these phrases that I would assume if I go to your website it would say listen so hard it hurts and just enough empathy. I mean, I think these are great phrases that are great ways to brand and brand your own company um 500 THC or is that how I say it 500 THC THC great. Um To brand your own brand your company, or like we were talking about, um, we're talking about lean insights now, and how like simple phrases that someone who's just starting up, or maybe it's a video agency that doesn't really do this, they can kind of take your words and simple uh, simple phrases like "listen so hard it hurts" or have just enough empathy. These are great ways that I believe that you can um, go about the process, think about the process as well as work with clients to uncover these insights. And so I'm also curious is how do you work with clients and how can we work with clients to uncover the insights? Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, first of all, for that, I appreciate that. I learned a lot about <laughs> your the art. I mean, I'm fascinated by this. I actually yeah. didn't know this till today. So that's a really fascinating, um, concept. I'm learning so much about you, Josh. It's great.
0: Um so yeah, so you asked how do, how do you do this? Uh right, we've talked about getting out into the world and um talking to people. I think um another thing you could do, one of the things that I always do if it's if it's an actual good that is sold out in the out in the world. Um so recently I worked on something for um a product that's sold in REI and Academy Sports is kind of an outdoorsy gear type product and I went into those stores and um, talked to salespeople for a little bit about the kinds of people that buy that product, and then just kind of um, was there in the environment. Um, and for me personally, that's really inspiring um, to be just out in the world uh, ar- around the retail environment where this where the product is. So if it's an actual thing you can touch and feel, that's that's the number one thing that I would typically recommend um, to folks is to get out there and watch watch the product on the shelf and and just be around people and be around the people that sell it. Um, so that's a, a really easy way. We've also talked about conversations. And so get in touch somehow, some way be resourceful and find a friend of a friend of a friend that is that customer group that you're trying to reach or design for, or that prospect group and have a, a good solid conversation with them. And it doesn't have to be long. It could be 30 minutes at the most. Um, but that little bit of time is going to, um, going to pay big dividends um, when you get get to the creative process. The last thing, and it's funny because this is typically the first thing that that people do in today's age, but um, I would advocate for this coming last is getting out into the digital world and reading reviews and reading what people are saying on social media, um, what people are saying on YouTube or Vimeo video comment sections. That can be, as you know, that can be a really dark hole, right, that you kind of disappear down and and just... Read it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so lots, lots of data, lots of, um, snarkiness and, and sometimes, and and that's, that's just the way that those things are. Um, and so that's why I would recommend using them last is the conversations in the in-person seeing it and touching it or being out in the world with people that, that are selling the product or around the product. That's going to help you provide some context for what you're seeing online and what you're reading online. And so, that, that's the, the last, last thing that I would do is get out into the digital world and start
1: looking. So we've talked a lot about empathy and we've talked about lean insights. These are two um, very important concepts that market research brings to the table. Um, when thinking about the design process, you know, the classic definition states that defining the problem and research, which is a lot about what we're talking about today, are core before forming the ideas. And so how do we attach these ideas that you've brought to us today, Josh, to video?
0: Yeah, so uh that's another another great question. The the video realm, right? It's so easy to go out and just start filming. Start sure. right. Yep. That's kind of our, our gut reaction when a project might come in is to give me the camera and I'm gonna go out into the world and just start making stuff. My right? client's
1: reaction too, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly.
0: Um and so for any video project um that someone might have on their desk, I, um I would say hit hit stop as soon as you can on that, right? Don't don't let that be your first thing, right? I, I love that energy and the passion to go grab and go make things, but for just a second, if you think about the audience that you're trying to reach, that end video that you create is gonna be so much stronger when you get it, when it goes out into the world if you have a better understanding and a deeper understanding of the audience that you're trying to reach. So a lot of times um, when I tell my students um, in my account planning course over at UNC is that you can't write a love letter that begins with the phrase to whom it may concern. Right, and these are all um, students in their twenties, early twenties, right? And so they they kind of under, understand that concept, right? Of you can't you can't expect someone to take a big life leap with you if you keep it generic, right? And so um, similarly, brands can't push out content that is just created in a generic sense that doesn't really have an end user or someone in mind. So what they're essentially doing if you grab the camera and start recording something and editing something together, it might be amazing creatively, right? But at the end of the day, that end product is going to be a video that's created that's essentially addressed to whom it may concern. Yeah. And if if you were able to to just fine tune that audience just a little bit and say, well, we're creating for this type of person, right? This this type of female athlete, right? in in the um, case of Under Armour or this type of um, IT professional, right? If you're creating a a video for an IT professional services firm, right? If you just have that slight nuance to the person that you're trying to to create for, then the end product that you create is gonna be so much more powerful and impactful
1: for them. Yeah, it's like if you go to the doctor and you walk in the doctor's office and say, hey, I have a torn meniscus. And the doctor's like, how do you know that? And you're like, well, I read it on the internet. The doctor's like, okay, let's start from the ground up let me do the same diagnostic i would do on everyone and let's get to the fact of torn meniscus and in the end you actually find out no it's just slipped it's not torn here's how you do it you know we don't have to go to dramatic route i think it's the same way and i think you're kind of talking uh, a lot of the same thing with video a client may come and say hey i have this idea let's go start filming and it's like whoa are you sure that 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 idea you have will meet your target audience let's let's step back a minute and really diagnose the challenge you're having here and why you're making a video so that we can get to a solution and start creating ideas based on that. And so if we don't listen to the audience, we don't do this market research and these lean insights, we may just jump out there and create something that is ineffective um, and not very engaging, not empathetic and boring. You know, it's not an entertaining video. And so can you think of a great example of a video campaign that you believe was shaped by a similar research process and this idea of deep audience understanding, um, that they were trying to reach.
0: Yep. So the, the, I think that's a great analogy about the doctor and really diagnosing things because at the end of the day, right, it, it could actually be a torn meniscus. And so sometimes the end creative product might be amazing, but what the lean insights process does and what having a little bit more empathy for your audience does is it increases the chances of success and it increases the odds that what you create and put out into the world is going to be successful. And, and so one company that did that really well um, is Under Armour. If you remember their Misty Copeland um, campaign that they did oh, that they had know. a lot of video, um, the I Will What I Want campaign. All right. So typically Under Armour was viewed as a masculine oriented performance driven brand. Their campaign that they launched with was we must protect this house. And that essence kind of became a part of, of what that company was and and um, what it became out in the world. And that was essentially um, a, a brand that was created for men. And so the athletic woman that was out, out there was not too into that brand, um, you know, for obvious reasons. And they didn't see it as a company that really fit, um, into their life. And so they that women weren't drawn to it. And when Under Armour kind of hit the reset button on their women's line in about 2013, 14, um, they hired an agency, um, Droga 5, um, to help them understand, um, what a woman athlete and specifically what the Under Armour woman athlete could want and would want out in the world. And so they, they did, um, a brief mobile diaries exercise to get smart about this woman and this athletic woman and they found that she doesn't necessarily think about herself as an athlete. Um, that the word athlete means someone who it's like me against you, right? We go foot race on the street outside the myriad office. That means that we're athletes. Um, that wasn't really resonating with this athletic woman that underarm was trying to reach. It was more herself, right? So getting a little bit faster at her own mile time or doing, um, something a little bit better than she had done before, lifting a little bit more weight than she had lifted before. And so it was a little bit of a flip um, in terms of athlete. And so they were able to, with just a little bit of research, um, into um, this athletic woman with some mobile diary activities, get really smart and figure out that it was all about her will and so that's where that Misty Copeland "I Will What I Want" campaign came from, and was hugely successful. And Under Armour is still using, you know, a variation of that today, which um, you know just shows you how successful that ended up being.
1: And it's ended up expanding their brand into more than a singular, like you said, uber masculine kind of brand. Now they're they've expanded themselves, and they have female athletes and male athletes, and now they have more people buying their product because they did these mobile diary exercises and listen to what a, a woman athlete may like. And therefore it was much better for their brand in the end, which, you know, this idea of like brands and ads needing to be very action oriented and needing to resonate. And I think that that's great. So you listen to your audience and you get results from that. So, you know, today we've talked a lot about the kind of design thinking and some of the first kind of phases of design thinking, which is defining the problem um, and researching. And we started flirting with this idea of forming that idea. So, Josh, I would love to have you back to talk more about how we can use market research to form this idea and design thinking and maybe talk a little bit about prototyping and testing and then getting feedback um, um, from products you create. And how, like maybe online or whatever it may be, a client is able to get feedback so that they can improve that product or for the future or create two versions of a product, put it out there and test it and prototype it and see what comes back so that they can then move forward with the best solution, And which gets me to the final thing, which is about solution-oriented, which I know we had talked a little bit about, um, but we didn't get deep into today. So I'd love to have you back and have a part two. Yeah, that'd be Even great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, well, thanks for hanging awesome. out today and we'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions or topics you think we should cover, hit us up. Drop us a line on myriadmedia.net or at myriadmedia on all of your favorite social media platforms. We'll be back soon with more ways video can help boost your brand's marketing impact.